Hello, all ye listeners, talking old fashioned. We're going to do that throughout, by the way. We're going to say thee and thou and talk in kind of Shakespearean language. Sure, we that's are. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Should we pronounce everything like it did before the great vow shift? I don't know what that means. We pronounced everything differently back then. It was like a two, not that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what you were that like was that. supposed to be, though. It's supposed to be like thou, but they pronounced it like there. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. I used to pronounce all the vowels differently. This is quite the immediate digression, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you started it. Hi, this is Weird World, the podcast. I'm Dean. I'm Aaron. I'm Carrie. Carrie is our fount of information today. A truly strange story. Carrie doesn't do a lot of weird, kind of supernaturally paranormal stories, does she? I'm not asking. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm asking the listeners. Inventory. <laughs> But today she does. She's going to bring us one, uh, a kind of a classic. It is. Strange mm. tale of paranormal and intrigue. It is the Philadelphia Experiment. Yes, it is. Carrie, please. Oddly enough, we're not going to talk about Philadelphia at the moment. <laughs> we're not in Philadelphia. We're in Texas. Texas. Okay. I think. You think. Anyway. Solid research. That's good. Yeah. Might not be in Texas. Anyway, we're going to talk about a man named Morris K. Jessup. Morris K. Jessup. I'm writing that down. Tell me, give me a heads up when I just start my timeline. Start it right now. Okay. We're in the 50s, the the 1950s. Morris is a smart man. Mm -hmm. He has a master's degree in astronomy. He has studied toward a PhD at the University of Michigan in astrophysics. Impressed. Which I know he has to be smart because I don't even know what astrophysics is. It's the it's physics, but in this in space. Space and shit. So like, I bet that's even more hardcore. I know it's stuff that I would. It's crazy shit. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson, Carl Sagan territory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. And to be honest, I don't know anything about astronomy either. (laughs) That's where the stars are and where they're going and. Well, I, yeah, what I know do. that. I don't know details. <laughs> <laughs> what are stars? When I hear stars, I think Hollywood. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he taught science at Drake University. All right. The Drake Roadrunner. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but in 1955, even though he's such a science guy and he's super smart and he has all these degrees, he's an auto parts salesman. Oh. Mm. So he stopped teaching at Drake and became an auto parts salesman. I believe in Florida. Okay. Even worse, but yeah. But he's also an author. He's written a couple books. In 1955, he published a book titled The Case for the UFO. Oh, he's one of those. Yes. (laughs) But he speculated that anti-gravity and electromagnetism would be a more effective means of proportion propulsion for space vehicles and I like the first two fuel. ways you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then yeah, in Jan- he, that, that book, my recollection is that book, he really was trying to say, okay, if there's UFOs, how would they be doing this? How would they get yeah. around? How would they go so mm-hmm. fast? And he, he did it from a very scientific yes. perspective. He wasn't like writing crazy, wacko kind of stuff. No, it wasn't stories about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Chicks with green boobs and things like that were not part of his deal. No. Mm-mm. Then they in, were science chicks with green <laughs> Damn right they were. <laughs> with magnets. <laughs> then in January 1956, Jessup received a letter from a man calling himself 
actually more than one name in the same letter. Mm-hmm. Carlos Miguel Allende, or in other parts, Carl M. Allen. This letter was postmarked from Gainesville, Texas, but the return address was some obscure rural place in Pennsylvania. Hmm. The letter was weird. It had lots of errors, randomly underlined things, randomly capitalized words, which um, due to recent events in the United States of America is like a, a typical thing that people with weird ideas do. Do you re- What recent Just events are re- you referring to? Um, you, you, you're kind of... I was going to say Emma does that. Donald Trump. Oh. No, I think just the Ted Kaczynski's of the world of the world right like that and always have and always will. The what? Ted Kaczynski's of the world, you know. Then a lot of Ted Kaczynski's were were followers and fans of Donald Trump. I think that's been well established. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird that's, thing. Yeah. I mean, posts on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. So beyond it, just like all caps, because you don't know how to do lower and uppercase. Mm-hmm. It's more like just weird random capitalization, yeah, badly misspelled it, words. Yeah. It's way harder. To just capitalize the first letter of every word, then just put on caps lock. It's like, why would somebody bother I'm not sure. capitalizing every, the first letter why of every word? I know. Or, it's or, very weird. Or just like, or, or in the middle of a sentence, it'll be all caps, or just random words that are, are in caps that don't, like, why? Well, yeah, emphasis. emphasis to that's that. For emphasis. That's for emphasis. But no, but it's seemingly without weird. a rational emphasis. It's like, I'm trying to figure out what the hell you yeah. mean, but I can't. Well, yes. that could just be you know, poorly communicated tone. Because it's the internet, you know. But I would like there to be a um, scientific research study okay. done on this it's phenomenon. A, probably a chemical imbalance. I don't think so. I, say, I, I see think, I think pretty it much is. all over the internet from all kinds of different people. It's just, yeah, it's not an intelligent way to type. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not an efficient way to type. Yes. No. And I don't, I am really baffled. I want to know what they think they're doing. I think we should just turn over the rest of the episode to this issue because <laughs> it seems like that's what we're doing. Is, this is going to be a future issue okay. after somebody has done some true um, academic research okay. on it. All right. Okay. So anyway, the letter has all this stuff in it, and it's pretty crazy. Carlos Allende said he has read Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO, and he's very interested in it, and he wants to tell Jessup that Einstein's unified field theory isn't just a theory because I, I guess Jessup talks about it in the book. And so he wants to correct him, show him where he's wrong. Uh, Yandy wants to correct Jessup, Jessup. Yep. about his mm-hmm. theories of Einstein's unified theory. Yes. theory that it which, isn't just a theory. Which was what? It's been proven. I'm glad you asked that question, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> unified field theory is... Uh, Einstein's theory that a single set of equations might rule all the forces of the universe. Mm. So if we knew what they were, then we could manipulate them. My understanding of that is that it kind of unified electromagnetism with... And with gravity. Gravity. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's the key, the two key powers, I don't know if it's the right word, uh, that rule astrophysics. Right. And that if we could... Mm crack the code and manipulate them, we could manipulate things like space and time. Damn. Some big stuff, man. That's some post-Star Trek stuff. This is my dream, time travel. Is it? Mm -hmm. Time travel? Time travel and also manipulating space. I I don't know if this is true about Mm -hmm. space, but for like teleportation so that we don't have to drive everywhere. Driving. I love it. 
I'm sick of travel time. I would rather have my <laughs> atoms spliced up and shot through the ethosphere into someplace else where they then re- coalesce and would you rather have no. them create a new body for you on the other side and mm, have your consciousness have transported to the other side? But then what do they do with the body? Yeah. Neither you guys. Bodies it's, are disposable. It's the Chew whole it up, piece bitch. of paper theory where you just Join fold the piece people. of paper yeah. and then when you're on one side, you could quickly be on the other side. You just need the energy of like a Carrie. star. They don't have to scramble your atoms or transfer your consciousness. You, you guys are I'm making sorry. it way more difficult than it needs I, to be. Or wormholes. Okay, well, still. Oh, Can't you, we just have a series of wormholes? <laughs> wormholes. <laughs> that could take us yeah. where we want to go? Sure. Let's go. Sure. I hope I live long enough for all of these things. Yes, I'm almost certainly not going to. Cancer, so it's what's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, Carl Allen. We're so gonna... he calls himself Carl Allen in the same place he's called himself Carlos Allende. Yes. Why do you out yourself in this, in the, it's when you introduce name. yourself? That's just what they have to live with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you may know me, Carl Allen. Well, that kind of thing. he believes that Einstein actually figured it out and that the he was working with the federal government and the government was using it during World War II to uh, weaponize you know, to weaponize it. Of this course. is the this is fifty six. Yes. Was Einstein I think Einstein was dead now. Just barely, mm, or I don't just know about what year to. he died. Very right around there. Well, he wrote this in fifty six, but he's saying they, yeah. they were using it during World War II. No, so but he's saying 40s. Einstein figured it out. In the 40s. Okay, but Einstein, so and told no one. Was he, what is he? Oh, no, he told the is federal government, Scrooge? Dean. No, he was working Scrooge, for the federal uh, government. Jim Carrey, um, uh, Cindy Lou Who. The Grinch? Grinch. The Grinch. The Grinch. Grinch. Find the cure to cancer. <laughs> Tell no one. So that's what Einstein did with the unified field theory? No. That's not cool. <laughs> Albert. He told the federal government, and they were using it. To weaponize during World War II. Somebody's dropped the ball. And mm-hmm. Carlos also, Carlos slash Carl, also claimed that he was a student mm-hmm. of Einstein's. Oh, that's a pretty big claim. Mm-hmm. No big deal. <laughs> no. Just studied under Einstein. <laughs> and... Allende, I'm probably going to switch back and forth between Al, Carl Allen and, and Carlos Allende, but Allende said he knew about this fact because he witnessed it firsthand. Witnessed what firsthand? Fucking okay, Einstein time travel. Oh, time travel. I was letting the cat out. No, how the government mm-hmm. used Einstein's unified field theory uh, to do, do, do manipulate crazy. space and time. Got it. And yes. Way back in the late summer or early fall of 1943... Carl was working for the Coast Guard on a cargo ship called the SS Andrew Furuseth. 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 Why, why can't they just name things like Bob you know, Johnson? Everything should be the SS. No, why does it have to be Johnson? after a person? Make it the Big Blue or you okay, know. sure the SS big, the Big Blue. Yeah, Clifford. 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 Even after popular pop culture, they yeah. icons yeah. or how people Frog name their boats. Toad. No, they those are horrible. It. The shady lady or some bullshit <laughs> yeah. like that. I hate those things. No, <laughs> terrible idea. Big old Betty. Yeah, or they could name them after I don't know cities, 
in the United States or something like that. They do. The USS Indianapolis and the Arizona. Famous, remember? Well, those are see those are the good ones. I wouldn't argue with that. Great, nothing bad ever happened to that. No, neither of those examples, as a matter of fact. But the SS Andrew Furuseth, like, sorry, you know, try saying that real quick to somebody. What ship you're on? I'm on the Furuseth. Uh huh. That boat was docked in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard next to the USS Eldridge. Mm. I don't know the first name of Eldridge, but this was a naval cannon class destroyer ship. Maple. Maple Eldridge, <laughs> I think. Oh, it's okay, so it's parked to the Eldridge Destroyer yep. in 1943. Philadelphia. In Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Got it. Carlos is on his ship just hanging out, possibly alone. We're not sure, mm-hmm. but he can see directly onto the deck of the Eldridge. He's right next to it. Sure. Uh huh. At around five p.m., he notices a green fog start creeping up around the Eldridge, Mm-mm. and then it kind of like transforms a little bit and and forms like a perimeter mm. around the Eldridge, and he could see soldiers on the deck, and they kind of go translucent, <gasps> and then. He does, he's kind of freaking out. He doesn't know yeah. what to do. There's nobody around like, hey, do you see what I'm seeing? And he's an astrophysicist genius, so. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the entire ship, the Eldridge, disappeared before no. his very eyes. No. But. It's a whole ship. A huge ship. The water, you know, where the ship was, mm-hmm. it still looks like the ship is there. Like the water uh, is displaced. There's like a dent in a ship shape. That would be weird, wouldn't <laughs> it? I guess it would have to water. be. It would literally be like a hollow. Yeah. Huh. So then it, that kind of looks like, well, the ship didn't disappear. It's there, but it's just invisible, right? I guess. if you can see the depression. Power. I don't know if that would be my first. <laughs> I immediately jumped to that <laughs> conclusion, but I suppose. Well, then all of a sudden, the ship reappears in the same spot that it disappeared from, and he, he can hear loud screaming from the men Ooh, on the deck of the Eldridge. That's not good. The loudest screaming comes from a sh- soldier. Carrie realizes she was kept saying soldier instead of sailor, but I think we all wish she had said seaman. Back to the show. Whose body has appeared to fuse with the ship. It looks like his skin and bones are melting into the deck. He's can like he, connected to it. Can he see the ship again at this point? Yeah. Or, okay. So yeah. he sees a ship, but he sees a person screaming and mm-hmm. melted into the deck. Yep. That would be painful, yep. I think. So Carlos, Carl, claims that this was a U.S. government Navy experiment that had gone horribly wrong. The sailors. Hey, she said sailors. I still wish it had been seamen. Oh, well. Stopped experiencing time like normal. Some started just turning invisible at random. And that by 1956, all the sailors on the Eldridge were dead. Woof. Some of them. Carlos knows this? Yes. He's tracked them down? Mm Mm-hmm. Checked out death records and... Well, I don't know. There'd be hundreds of sailors, right? Well, he'll address it later. But some sailors went, quote, bananas. (laughs) Bananas. One sailor ended up on a deck below the deck where he started. Mm. So and when he was disappeared, invisibilized, does he, has he, okay, well, he hasn't got to. Correct. Okay. And that sailor's hand was embedded in the steel hull of the ship. 
Oh, how did you get hurt. that out? It's one thing like to shut your hand at the I car know. door. It hurts, <laughs> but you can open the door. In this case, yeah. it hurts and you can't door. open the door. And he yeah. doesn't explain, I don't think, how, you know, did somebody come along with a blowtorch and... Yeah. Well, you can't see everything. It's shocking he's no. seen this much as, as he's describing <laughs> here. Shocking. It's remarkable. It's breathtaking. He signs it's the letter. hard to believe. He signs the letter to uh, Morris Jessup. Quote, very disrespectfully yours. What? Carl M. Allen. Why would he say that? <laughs> what a dick. I don't know. He's, I thought he was writing to Morris because I, presumably he respected his intellect. His, I did his, think his, so, the too. case of the UFO book. He's like, hey, you know what? You got some good ideas there. I can help you. But here's where you're wrong. Yeah, here's where you're also. wrong. So don't very disrespectfully. <laughs> I am no longer on Carl slash Carlos's side. Okay. That was rude. Next to his signature, there was a string of letters and numbers mm. that were actually his old sailor ID code. Carlos's? Uh-huh. Okay. He was actually working on the ship that he said he was. The, the Eldridge. The, no, the... Um, Fru- I mean, I'm sorry. Fru- the, yeah, the Furuseth. <laughs> your, your menace, your enemy Fru- ship. Carrie's yep. Carrie's frenemy. So he... Who, who verified that? Uh... Jessup? I think so, yeah. Another thing that he claimed was that he saw some... He being? Allende. Okay. That he saw some Eldridge crew members disappear during a bar fight. Hmm. Later? So after the experiment, they were having a bar fight. He was, again, so he's now stalking them, apparently, because he wants to see if they die or go crazy. Yep. And they're having a bar fight, and Carlos is there again, because he's... Everywhere, coincidentally, so and uh, and he sees them disappear as right in the middle of a fight. That could be very frustrating. Yes. What if it's like three on three, and then suddenly it's one on three because your two compadres just disappeared? Yeah, that would not be, be cool. Yeah. Not Dude, fair, come on, man. No. Dude, man. Well, Jessup doesn't really believe any of Carlos's claims in this letter. They're pretty crazy, pretty out there, and he doesn't do anything about it. Then a few days later. He gets another letter. Carlos says he forgot a few okay. details. The ship didn't just disappear. Was he? Did Carlos ask Morris to write him back or something like that? Was he expecting a response? I don't know. Okay. I was just wondering because if he's expecting some response and he doesn't get a response, that could explain why he's writing back and said, well, hold on, hold on. There's more. You might yeah. be interested in these <laughs> That's additional true. facts. Yeah, okay. well, here's the stuff that he forgot to say mm-hmm. in the first letter. Okay. The ship didn't just disappear, it actually teleported. No. And he knows this. How? Because when it was gone, witnesses saw it appear at a dock almost 300 miles away in Norfolk, Virginia. And Carlos knows this. How? I don't think he said. Okay. But he gave the name of Rear Admiral Rosen Bennett who was chief of research at the Navy. And um, he's... Pretty sure you just made that name up. No. Rosen what now? Rosen Bennett. Rosen Bennett. One mm-hmm. word. No, Rosen is the first name. Bennett oh. is the last name. Rosen is a name. That's yeah. not really... A, something's wrong here. And he was the chief of research at the Navy, mm-hmm. and he just so happens to have a... He might have a job waiting for Jessup if he wanted to take it. <laughs> now he's just setting up to embarrass himself. Very important. So Admiral Bennett, I'm here for that job. What the fuck are you? <laughs> That's uh, I, you know, that happened to me. Yeah. Wait, no, it did happen. No, it didn't happen to me, but I, they tried to do it to me, where I was what? like, oh, 
seventeen or something like that, and they try to make older people as my stepbrother and friends oh. try to make it go into a liquor store <laughs> to buy beer and just say, "Tell them Paul sent you or some bullshit like that." And so, but and someone else did it, and we were like kind of waiting outside. Like <laughs> we can see the guy. Look at the fuck, I don't fucking know who Paul is. Get out of here! You can't buy beer. You're seventeen, asshole. So it was mean but funny, hilarious. I think that's what happened. Was he's trying to do tomorrow? It was an elaborate joke just to get Jessup to go to the Navy and say, Where's my job? Would be (laughs) hilarious. So, well, Jessup decides he is a bit interested in this Mm. whole story, so he writes a letter to Carl slash Carlos asking for some corroborating evidence. He wants the names of some of the, the supposed witnesses and even suggests that they get together. That they could meet in Texas because remember the letter was postmarked oh, yeah. from Gainesville, Texas. Gainesville, Texas. Which you think that'd be Florida, but no. Yeah. So Allende responds to him and says, unfortunately, he can't give him any more information because this is all top secret hush hushed up. <laughs> I've, I've told you too much. Yes. I've told you everything, which is probably too much. By the government and by the Navy. And the reason nobody has heard of the experiment is because of the great lengths the Navy has gone through. Makes sense. To keep it all a secret. But over the next year, Allende sends Jessup over 50 more letters. Oh, my Lord. But they really don't give him any more information. So I don't know what's in these 50 letters. I I mean, that means he's getting more than one a week. Oh, my God. You're not going to ignore me. I thought we were friends. We're going to be buds. We're going to hang out. Postman loves it. (laughs) I told you almost everything I could tell you. And you don't even... (laughs) He's just trying to ignore me. So I think he needed a friend. Allende. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of bordering on harassment. But Mm -hmm. Jessup did contact the Navy and he gave them the return address on Allende's letters, the address in Pennsylvania. Supposedly, somebody from the Navy goes to look for him, and all they find is a vacant farmhouse. There's nobody there. At yeah, at the address. Gainesville address or the Pennsylvania? The Pennsylvania return. one. Okay. So he, he gave the return some address. vacant, so he, he either made it up or knew it, the area, knew it was yeah. a vacant lot. Okay. Yeah. Probably more likely made it up. Yeah. Something like Kensington, Pennsylvania, something like that. Okay. So basically... So that, so, but this is Jessup said that the like the Office of Naval Research went to actually yes. investigate this guy. Yeah. Really. Just oh, Jessup for, says they did that. Yes. No one else says they did that. Okay. I think so. I think so too. So uh, Jessup drops it and he figures, okay, well then, I, you know... I haven't heard anything back yeah. from the Navy. If they don't care about it, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't need to do anything else about it. I'm just waiting for my next 57 letters to come over the yeah. next six weeks. But Well, then in the spring of 1957, mm-hmm. so a little over a year after this all began, Jessup receives a call from the Office of Naval Research in Washington, D.C. Again, per Jessup. Jessup. They have requested that he come in for a meeting. Okay. <laughs> He's going, oh, my God, I'm getting a job. I'm getting a job. <laughs> they uh, received this strange package of information that mm. they think somehow involves him. So he hops on down to Washington, D.C. Where is he again by this time? Is he I think he's in, in Florida. Florida. Okay. Yeah. He so meets, he hops on down. Okay. Well, the um, Admiral Firth, who's the chief of naval research, received the package 
And it's containing, it has a folder, and on the front of the folder, it has the message, Happy Easter, written across the front. Because <laughs> that's sure to be opened at the Office of Naval Research. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, well, somebody knew it was Easter. Oh, let's open that. Sweet. Is it candy? Is it rabbit chocolate? <laughs> Inside it's different the chocolate folder. rabbits, by the way. Chocolate, rabbit chocolate is different. It's, it's, it's chocolate that rabbits eat, by the way, not chocolate made in the shape of rabbit. Just want to make sure that's clear to our listeners. Okay. Can so, rabbits eat chocolate? It's toxic Some can. To dogs, that's, so. When I said rabbit chocolate, I'm not just covering <laughs> for saying something oh, wrong. Cool I'm actually, and making nonsense up. I, this actually be referring, I meant to say that. Okay. So, Anyhow, inside this Happy Easter folder is a paperback copy of Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO. And written in the margins of the book in three different colors of ink are just bizarre annotations. So someone sent this to the ONR and yes. saying, you guys, this is important. Yes. Some of the, the notations are just kind of nonsense and random. Some appear to be like a conversation with each other. The three, each color is a different, quote, character. Each, like pen, like ink color. Yes, ink okay. color. Okay. And, but I think they're all written in the same handwriting. They are. But they're, but they're written kind of by a different character. Yeah. Only one character is named, and it's Jemmy. Jemmy. And the other two, yeah. and Jemmy extraterrestrial, Well, I, I think that's Some people think. been... Yes, that's part of the yeah. lore, is that yes. one of these three annotators was an alien. Yes. <clears throat> and the uh, Office of Naval Research named the other two Mr. A and Mr. B, because they're creative there in the Navy. Again, according to, remember, Morris K. Jessup. I don't know. Okay. I've read it lots of places on the internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> If you read it, I on mean, the think internet, about it. it the, really uh, the very serious government agency in the middle of the Cold War with Sputnik just around the corner is going to take this obscure book about UFOs with three different weird people annotating in the margins. And then, you know what? We need to look very seriously. Let's go contact the author and have him come up here to Washington, D.C. and discuss this further because this they, might be something that's... This is the Office of Naval Research. They can walk and chew gum at the same time. Ooh. You think okay. they're only, they only got one thing to work on? Yeah. So, yeah. so they back g- in the 50s when they like did shit and like, they haven't... <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So, so they can do important stuff and also completely time-wasting stuff yeah. at the same time. Uh, we don't know what was in those annotations, Dean. That's true. Well, yeah, we do. Isn't it? I, I believe the annotated version has been published. You're right. So we do. <laughs> but you and I don't know what's in those. Right now as we sit here. <laughs> I love it. But they did because they read it. Nobody knows. Nobody except people who can go and click out a cart on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Otherwise, no, you can't, mystery. you can't find it. In fact, the, I'll, I'll, get about, I'll, okay. get, I'll get to it. Oh, okay. so You're get just jumping the guns, Dean. Sorry about that. These handwritten comments claimed uh, extensive knowledge of UFOs, mm. their means of motion, and the mm. culture of the beings occupying those UFOs. Uh, so it really covered the full gamut of them, mm. the personalities of some of the key <laughs> leaders in the alien society, too, as a matter of fact, and their favorite colors. But they did use uh, pseudoscience and some bizarre and incoherent terms. They also claim uh, in terms that we don't understand because we're not quite there yet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. They could Flux also be capacitor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could be extraterrestrial terms too. They could be, Ooh. and we just don't get it. Yes. They also claim that 
extraterrestrial technology allowed the U.S. government to make breakthroughs in unified field theory. Mm, okay. All right. And we know who was hot on that trail. Carlos Allende. Okay. <laughs> we, it turns out we did not know Carrie yeah. to help us out there. So what Dean was talking about a moment ago, <laughs> the copies of the annotated text, two ONR officers had 127 copies. Why? 127? <laughs> Nobody knows. Copies of the annotated text printed and privately distributed by a military contractor. Allegedly. And also printed by a tiny publisher in Texas called Vero yeah. Publishing. No reason. Just, yeah. You know. Somewhere near where Morris Jessup, though. I mean, I'm sorry, where Carlos Allende allegedly lived. Yes. So if anybody has one of those, it's probably worth a pretty penny. Probably so. And Why then, would the Office of Naval Research have a small Texas publishing house publish them when they have a large government-owned printing press to have that kind of thing done? I'm not sure. Mystery. Hmm. Well, uh, the hmm. impression I get is that it was not an official okay. project, right? <laughs> it was more of a passion <laughs> Okay. Just these two O&R officers Oh, on their decided, personal time. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And the personal dollar to have something published 107 well, copies. Well, they made a fake purchase order number, uh, and oh, I you see. know, so maybe like a... one of them worked in the office where they oh, you know what it was? Do stuff like you know what that. it was? Their relative owned Vero Publishing. They're getting some some business. Mm-hmm. You know, a little shady. Okay, got it. I heard it was it was an actual military contractor. Vero Publishing yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, uh, poor Morris Jessup, his life <gasps> took a couple bad turns. So wait, what he after this? So he goes to the ONR in Washington D.C. Oh, yeah. He talks to those people, and they say, say what? He immediately he said, "Well, they said, you know, this is your book. It's yeah. got all this crazy writing in it. Yeah. Do you have any idea who m- might have sent it to us because of all the crazy stuff in it?" And he immediately recognized the writing was was Carl Allen. Oh, so he all three were Carl Allen. Yes, just tr- trying to sound portray himself as three different characters. Yes. Okay. So, shortly after this, that meeting was in 1957, Jessup had some bad things happen in his life. Yeah. I think his wife was leaving him, and he was in a bad car accident. Oof. And he also was not getting published Lost anymore. his publishing, yeah. yeah. And he committed suicide yeah. in 1959. 1959. Allegedly. True. Mm-hmm. There are actually some after-the-fact associations with uh, Men in Black, they sort of backed dated when Men in Black was, <laughs> which we've talked about on a, on a uh, recent, not a recent, but on a past Previous episode, episode. Some people connected that to Morris Jessup's and trying to make that a mysterious thing. Maybe he was murdered, but yeah. he committed. Right, I think in his car, I believe, right? He, he shot himself in his car, I think. I'm, I Did may he? be making that up. Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. I don't know if I ever read Rip how he died. Well, so for decades, Carlos Allende, a.k.a. Carl Allen, was the only witness of these strange scientific experiments or supernatural events that happened in 1943. They became known as the Philadelphia Experiment. Yes, you can tell us about Morris? Well, yeah, because it, tur- it turns out how he, he died he actually, he was, you're right, he was in an accident. He was kind of in hard times in 1959 in Florida. And on April 19th, in 1959, he contacted Manson Valentine, 
I'm not 100% sure who that is. Great name, though. And he arranged to meet him on the following day, saying he had a breakthrough regarding the Philadelphia experiment. Huh. On April 20th, the next day, Jessup was found dead in his car in Dade County in Florida. A hose had been run from the exhaust pipe into the rear window of the vehicle, and he, he killed himself that way. Yeah. And they ruled suicide, but of course, like I said, there are yeah. conspiracy theories that he was murdered for his this alleged breakthrough in understanding the Philadelphia experiment or the conspiracy surrounding the, the Philadelphia yeah. experiment. That's um, that's all. Huh. Other friends, though, that said he had been extremely depressed and yeah. had discussed suicide with friends for months. So you yeah. be the judge. Yeah. Anyhow, after the release of the 1984 film, The Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, you can't just slip that in, Carrie. What? 1984 brought a wondrous, amazing thing. That thing was a film with Michael Pere. <laughs> Who played Carlos? The Philadelphia Experiment. I don't know, but it was a wonderful motion picture. Did you see it? Yes. I did see it. It was not actually a very good movie at all. But it was it wasn't a little tiny nothing no budget. I mean it wasn't a big blockbuster budget, but it was a serious, you know, not a serious film. It was a decently budgeted, good production value yeah. film in theaters, good distribution and all that kind of thing with uh, Michael Perret and Nancy Allen. Oh. Also, as a matter of fact. Was it a Dino De Laurentiis film? No, it was it was uh, it was directed by a guy named Stuart Raffel. Huh. Never heard of him? No. But but it basically followed, maybe it elaborated on and embellished a little bit, but it followed the, what you described earlier, how people right. were insane, they vomited, they had burn marks, but they were found melded yeah. or parts of them, and, and they went increasingly insane after after yeah. this experiment happened. Yeah. Um, wasn't Nancy Allen married to Dino De Laurentiis, or do I have that wrong? I have no idea. Oh. Anyway, so after the movie The Philadelphia Experiment, um, actually four years after, he didn't see it, in the original release. He saw it in 1988. Who? A man oh, named sorry. Al Bielek. He came forward claiming that he actually was there. He personally took part mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia Ooh. Experiment. There actually was something that happened before the movie that was pretty important. What? There was a, a book written by uh, Charles Berlitz, who was an infamous popularizer of the Bermuda Triangle, who wrote a book in 1979. That really got it in the uh, widespread notice, and the, and the movie was made after that, based kind of on that. So the, the impetus for the movie was the Charles Bullitt's book called, I think just called The Philadelphia Experiment, also in 1979, written with another guy whose name escapes me, but they wrote it as fact, as if this really happened, mm-hmm. and it was a oh. pretty big seller. I, the, the movie wasn't... You know, didn't buy that book as its property to make the movie to make the movie from. Right. It's just because it was a it had been around for for decades by then, but that book made it, you know, somewhat popular in the in the mainstream right. thought before the movie came out. So the Berlitz book was also something that added to the the, the luster and yeah. the, the lore of this this urban legend or this what's now yeah. considered an urban legend. Well, I did not know about that book, Dean. Thank you very much sure. for that piece of information. You're very welcome. So anyway, Al Bielek watched The Philadelphia Experiment okay. in 1988. And then four years later, got an and idea. <laughs> all of his <laughs> repressed memories came flooding oh, back. Oh, repressed memories. One of my favorite topics. But it was surely a highly traumatic experience. Oh, for sure. Which, you know, 
Some people claim they repress those memories. <laughs> but he was also, all the sailors were brainwashed by the Navy. After, they were brainwashed so to forget it. He was on the Eldritch. Yes. And so he went through that, somehow didn't get trapped in the middle of something, survived it. Yes. And 1988... He remembers it because the movie. Forty-five years later, mm-hmm. he's now talking about it, and it takes four years for that movie to jog his memory. Or he saw it; he didn't see it when it first came out in theaters. No, he, he waited yeah. for it to be on TV. Yeah, he saw it in 1988. Mm. Okay, got yeah. it. Me yep. too. <laughs> so I wish for things to get to Netflix. Same. <laughs> <laughs> he had it in his queue for years. Yeah. Well, then in 1994, there is a French-born astrophysicist. And uh, let me, can I guess the name? Ufologist. Okay. Yes, you may. Jacques Vallée. Yep. He publishes. I didn't, oh. well, you didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know that. But I guessed it because oh. he's a prolific UFO UFO yes. enthusiast, and he's French, so I guessed it. Yeah. So, yep. so many French ufologists. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much one. Mm. Well, he published an article in the Journal of Scientific Exploration titled Anatomy of a Hoax, The oh. Philadelphia Experiment 50 Years Later. This was 1994. Hmm. And he had written other articles, but in a previous article about the Philadelphia Experiment, he specifically asked readers to please contact him if they had any further information about the event. Because, you know, he subsequently calls it a hoax. Mm -hmm. That's when he gets a letter from a man named Edward Dudgeon, Dudgeon. who actually served in the U.S. Navy from (gasps) 1942 to 1945. He didn't serve on the Eldridge, though. Edward served on the USS Angstrom. I was really hoping it would be the Furoseth or whatever it was again, just to piss off (laughs) Carrie. That wasn't a Navy ship. That was a Coast Guard ship. Oh, got it. Sorry. My bad. The Angstrom was dry docked in the Philadelphia Nail Yard. Nail Yard? Naval Yard. The Nail Yard was right next to it. (laughs) They made nails there, but go ahead. Naval Yard during the summer of 1943. Dudgeon was an electrician in the Navy, and he had complete knowledge of all the classified devices that were installed on both the Angstrom, his ship, and the Eldridge, which he said they were there at the same time. Okay, and he waited 50 years to let us know about that. Yep. Until Well, until a French ufologist asked him. Then he thought, well, I mean, if people are asking, I better You're asking ahead. for information. Okay. It's cla- it was classified, Dean. Yeah. He but was, now it's not? Yeah. Now, is it, not, is it officially not classified now? And I don't did know. Did he research that? No. How long does it take for things to be declassified? More There's than no 50 years. set time. Oh, Really? Depends Hmm. on when they get declassified. Well, he said that these weren't teleportation Mm. devices designed by Einstein or maybe aliens. (laughs) Or both. The devices on the ships. (gasps) Einstein was an alien. No. Yes. Yes. I'm going with that until I know different. Until someone (laughs) proves me wrong, I'm going with that. Okay. The devices on the ships were there to enable the ships to scramble their magnetic signature oh. using a technique called degaussing. Yep. Okay, so this actually might be real because this. So this yeah. is someone saying this is a okay, real thing. Let me explain what may have happened. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they weren't teleporting or disappearing. They were degaussing. They which were making the ship invisible. Invisible, but. Not invisible to the naked eye. No. Degaussing involves wrapping the vessel in large cables going from like, what's it called? Stem to stern. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then 
sending high voltages through the cables. Navy. I don't know. <laughs> Not in the Navy. Neither of us are in the Navy. Don't yeah, but you're more well read than I am. Stem you know, to stern. I like it. So they send the high voltages through the cables and then it scrambles the ship's magnetic signature. And that is to make them invisible to um, mines that have something to do with magnets. Yeah. They detect That's, the, yeah. the magnetic something. And they, yeah, on the ship. So actually the Canadian keep, guy invented it and the British ships did it first. Yeah. And there, it was very common during World War II to degauss your, your ship to try to avoid yes. mines. Yeah. But... It didn't make the ship invisible. No. It was still visible to radar and to the naked eye yeah. and sonar and everything. It's just to those weird magnetic minds. So oh. is the idea that someone overheard, yeah, we just we were just in Philadelphia Harbor making the ship invisible, meaning invisible, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he took that literally and then started exactly. the legend? Like Carl Allen slash Carlos Allende maybe, or just Carla, Carlos Allende, if there really was a Carlos Allende, yeah. heard someone and that, yep. you know. That's exactly what Dudgeon says. Okay. You know, he thinks anybody on the docks could have heard hmm, them talking about this, you know, making the ship invisible. Okay. Huh. Because, he said, the operation involved contract workers and that there were merchant ships around, like Carlos Allende's. Mm-hmm. So he said it was possible that civilian sa- sailors could have heard Navy personnel saying something about making the ship, quote, invisible. Hmm. Interesting. He also said the green glow that Carlos Allende referred to could have been due to an electric storm or St. Elmo's fire. I didn't even look up St. Elmo's fire. It's a 1980s movie, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore. (laughs) It it had a great hook-filled song, by the way, called St. Elmo's fire. St. Elmo's fire. That song. What is it? It's an atmospheric yeah, uh, it's a very rare thing that does have almost like a. Is a, it kind of like the Northern Lights? No, no, it's because oh. it's very specific. It, like it would be seen on the on the like a ship's mast or something like that, just like almost fire-like weird mm-hmm. coloration on tops of mast of ships sometimes. But isn't it like ships out in the middle of the ocean? I think so. not. Well, ships in a dock in Aaron, a naval yard. Aaron, but. she still thinks we're in the navy. <laughs> She thinks that we're not a chip scientist. No, I just think you know know things. We don't know, Carrie. We don't know. You know who who does know, though, Carrie? Wikipedia. Just I'll have it. Go ahead and I'll have it for you in just a moment. Well, and then people say, well, okay, Dudgeon, how do you explain people in Norfolk, Virginia, seeing the Eldridge appear there? Hmm. Check and me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dudgeon says, well... As a matter of fact, I can't explain it. What? The mysterious appearance in Norfolk and sudden return to Philadelphia didn't really happen. Well, it did happen. But? Because it would take, like, I don't know, a uh, day or two. Yeah. Shit, you know. Around going the normal, the normal Yeah. The normal route. Most people don't know. Uh-huh. I had never heard before. There are secret inland canals. Mm-hmm. Hmm. From between Philadelphia and Norfolk, Virginia, going through Delaware. Well, since Aaron and I are in the Navy, according to you, we knew that. I know. We Delaware now. Yeah, it's quite. It's it's quaint. It's a scenic route. It is. It is. That's what Joe Biden knows about it. He's I from know. Delaware. I'll bet he does. Mm-hmm. I looked on a map and I couldn't find him. Well, no, Carrie, they're not they're allowed to be put on maps because they're secret. Come on. Apparently, it's like Area Fifty One. And these canals Only are in Delaware are obviously off limits yes. to commercial vessels. 
And so it allows them to make the trip in about six hours so, instead of two days. So the idea is that someone saw, someone heard that the ships were going to be made invisible, which really meant degaussing, they misunderstood it. And then they saw something freaky, he was saying it almost fire to explain this green fog. And then the rumor started that, yeah, it, it wasn't made invisible, it was teleported because we saw that we thing saw hours before, yeah. hours after I saw it in Philadelphia, that's impossible. How would, it, it, uh, when a very easy explanation is that none of the above ever You're so skeptical. Happened. I'm sorry. You're just, we're going to call you poo-poo-ready. It's, it, it's one of those things, though, where you have this elaborate, well, actually, this could be explained naturally. When you don't really need, at least, I can see the first part makes perfect sense. Right, that someone did hear this, this urban legend started in the, yeah. in, in the Philadelphia Naval Yards. People say, "Yeah, yeah. I hear they're making ships invisible because they misunderstood what they overheard." Yeah, but you don't. But then the the green fog and the teleportation is just yeah. you know because remember Morris Jessup in his um, I believe in his 1955 book, The Case for the UFO. He he also I think he talked about not just what would power. UFOs, yeah. how they'd be propelled, but also could they teleport? So it was all there in the book. Yeah. So someone reads across the end, he hears these rumors and hears these, he's, he does hear these rumors and, and hears this story about this ships made invisible. And he reads the book in 1955 and he kind of merges those things together. Yeah. So Dean, tell us what you have learned about St. Elmo's Fire. You mean from Wikipedia? Or no, I knew this already. You know I don't like the Wikipedia. It's not a valid source. But okay, go for it. It turns out it's a weather phenomenon in which a luminous plasma is created by a corona discharge from a rod-like object such as a mast, spire, chimney, or animal horn. Ooh. Yeah, it's an atmospheric electric field. Um, so it can, it can have this blue or violet glow around the object, which is sometimes accompanied by hissing or buzzing. So that's why you would see it on the tops of, of masts or ships at sea would sometimes have huh. these weird lights that they can explain and, they, and this bluish violet hissing huh. light and they would call it St. Elmo's Fire. Hmm. Named after St. Erasmus of Formia, also known as Elmo. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently. But not green. No, not green. Hmm. So, yeah. So probably nonsense. Which is, again, so that points to the fact it. That part was an add-on. Yeah. Dudgeon, you don't need to explain that because it never happened. So just Still calm lie. down, yes. bro. Well, well, then the Philadelphia Inquirer reported... <gasps> Not the National Inquirer. The a very reputable newspaper. Yes. In 1999, on a reunion of sailors who served on the mm. USS Eldridge. Mm. This reunion took place in Atlantic City, of course. Michael Perret was there, as a matter of fact. He's an honorary member, I believe. <laughs> The sailors said the ship never docked in Philadelphia. And oh. in fact, it was in Brooklyn, New York on its oh. supposed date of disappearance. The ship's log confirmed this. And the captain of the ship said no experiments were ever conducted on the vessel. And interestingly enough, at this reunion, they were not all ghosts. They weren't dead sailors. <laughs> some so, people did, admittedly. Some people did. One, that one got a huge piece of metal grafted to his hand because they never got it <laughs> yeah. off. One guy had a, had a whole deck around his waist that he was merged into, but otherwise they were in decent yeah. shape. And if you care to read a not super long yet boring <laughs> okay. 
article about this. <laughs> it's short and boring, but tell me more. It's actually from the Navy, confirming you know they looked up because you know the Philadelphia experiment is big to to do. So they looked up all the records of where all the ships in question were, and they list in excruciating detail that on such and such a date, the ship was here, and then it went to here, and then it was in here, Carrie, and then it went to Casablanca, Carrie, and then it went to... Carrie. Records can be faked, Carrie. <laughs> Don't be a sheeple. <laughs> now who's being overly skeptical? can be faked, Carrie. Yes, Carrie. Well, obviously... They were brainwashed. Dang. That's why they talk about... They don't remember being in Philadelphia. They, they, they quote, unquote, remember yes. being in Brooklyn. That's yes. not real. Well, so here we get to the whole crux of the whole hoax thing. Mm-hmm. With all of this information telling you why it couldn't be true, why do so many people still believe it? Michael Pere. Well, the movie—powerful. The movie does kind of have something to do with it. Your your favorite French astrophysicist and ufologist, Jacques Vallée, he thinks it the imagery and you know people who have seen the movie or heard of the movie, it has very Mm. vivid images of sailors fused in with the ship and Mm. screaming and shit dope as hell. Yeah, and so it. I mean. And the, the Charles Berlitz book, remember, that preceded that was portrayed as fact, real, not yeah. fiction. So a lot of people just saw it and they don't, you know, because they think Blair Witch is real too. And yeah. they think they have this yes. memory of the Philip experiment and they don't yep. look at it close enough to realize yeah. it's not considered true. But having heard of or seen actual images. Oh, I see. Is it, so, it helps, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of give it a little bit more staying power than things that you may have just heard vaguely of. Well, we don't really need that anymore. Have you seen any images of QAnon? No. Or the Pizzagate? No, but people think it's true. That's interesting. Actually, I I was bad-mouthing Jacques Vallée a minute ago. He's actually a a serious UFO, or was a serious UFO researcher. Um, Yeah, he did. Yeah. I I don't know. And then also also things like I talked about, the, the Navy coming forward and saying we've looked through all the, the ship's logs and we know where they were yeah. and they were in these places and but then again that doesn't matter because people you know the Delay. a lot of people's general mistrust of the federal government and yeah. the military they're not going to believe what they say anyway and them disputing it it just adds fuel to the whole conspiracy theory yeah it's the non-falsifiable yes know? oh you're, you say it didn't happen so it must have happened yeah Jacques Vallée is alive, by the way. I feel bad. Sorry, Jacques. And a, lot of pe- and a lot of people think, well, if there wasn't something to it, why would the ONR actually call Morris Jessup to come down? Did the and ONR call Morris Jessup to come down? I'm not calling Morris Jessup a liar. I ain't calling him a truther. <laughs> <laughs> He's somewhere between. There is no documentation whatsoever that ONR ever took any interest in Morris Jessup whatsoever or his book. None. Really? All of that's yes. not true? It's mm-hmm. very likely that's not true. What's interesting here is that is this completely a figment of Morris Jessup's imagination, or did he did someone calling themselves Carlos Allende or AKA Carl Allen really write him these letters trying to to pique his interest? In fact, he did. He did what? Carl Carl Allen is a real person. Oh, who is Carl Allen? Yes, you're saving this twist for the last. Carrie, well, tell us who Carl Allen is. Your friend and mine. Yes, Brian Dunning. Brian Dunning from the Skeptoid uh, podcast. He found Carl Allen. Which Dean is a huge fan of. He actually has a personal friend. Okay. 
who grew up or was from the same town that I think was called Kensington, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so he went and looked into it a little bit. I, I forget the guy's name. The I, friend of Brian Dennis looked into it. Yes. Okay. Because he thought, oh, you know, that return address is my stomping grounds. Okay. So he went there and apparently... He used the phrase stomping grounds. That's well, kind of, that's okay. my... Did he use the phrase stem to stern? No. Okay. That's an official naval term. No, so. obviously Aaron and I would know that as <laughs> naval yes. personnel. But so anyway, he, he Carl Allen did exist and I guess oh. he was kind of the the wacky family member in that family. And oh. he continued to write these. He, he was kind of famous oh. for writing bizarre mm. letters and sending them to people. He would send them to his own family members and stuff like that. And he continued, at, even after Jessup died, he continued sending letters to people. And did Carl Allen, was he ever really That's all anywhere I, near Philadelphia on the ship adjoin, adjacent to the elders, or did he just make that shit up? I think he just made it up. He might have yeah. been on that ship. Or, but or not. <laughs> that ship was not in Philadelphia. That's right. And well, and as we know, and so he probably, who knows, he'd probably heard of the Eldridge and somehow associated with being in Philadelphia. But it was wrong, at least on that date, he was wrong. But you said it was that never it was in never his, in Philadelphia. No. So he, mm-hmm. he just he messed that up somehow. Yeah. And he just wrote crank letters to people and he read yeah. Morris Jessup's book. Yeah. And then wrote to him thinking, you know, yeah. Because he was a little bit Yeah. I mean, there may be some sort of mental illness involved. Maybe. Or something. So he wrote to Morris Jessup just incessantly. Now, the next part being in 1957 when the ONR supposedly went to see Morris Jessup. That has to be from the fertile mind of Morris Jessup. I just... I, I, like I said, I've read that there's been no documentation and the ONR officially denies that they did any such thing with yeah. Morris Jessup. Morris Jessup said that happened. It's, it's possible. Yeah. But it, it's funny because remember there was a UFO story. Oh, gosh. It was in association with... Oh, I'm trying to blank. We, did, we covered it. It, it. it was in Washington State. And so it's this UFO case. And supposedly... The people, the people from the government investigating it were doing so on their own dime as well, on their own time. Remember, they, they died on, on the return plane trip that just happened to crash when they're going back to Washington, D.C. They had been investigating that UFO yeah. incident in Washington State on their own time. So it's possible that there were a couple of ONR people who unofficially did get this package from Carl Allen in all yeah. likelihood yeah. and went to talk to Morris Jessup because they were, their interest was piqued. Yeah. So Morris, so it's possible Morris Jessup didn't make that up. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, but like I said, they officially the ONR denies it. Right. Okay. Hmm. But you know they deny everything. Yeah. Deny, deny, deny. Deny. <laughs> so Morris, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. If that's true, I, this is probably unfair. But Carl didn't help Morris, who committed suicide just a, a few years after this happened. I mean, this is something that he became a little bit obsessed with. Who? Morris Jessup. Morris? Oh, so yeah. Carl Allen's writing this, these yeah. letters to him, and, and he you know, induces yeah. Morris Jessup to be kind of obsessed with it. That yeah. couldn't have been good for his already kind of messed up life. Yeah. I'm not blaming you, Carl. Yeah. But it, you didn't help. Yeah. With your, you know. My theory? Yeah. Sometimes really smart people have troubled minds. Tr- Russell Crowe. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh it was beautiful, but it was troubled. <laughs> Russell well, Crowe. In, uh, in the character he played, whose name Russell I don't remember. Crow. Not Russell Crowe. Literally, but that dude, that mathematician that he played. What was his name? I don't remember. John something. Sure. John something. 
that guy, for instance, yes. as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, wasn't he schizophrenic? Maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, not a great I'm example not talk- by me. No, I'm yeah, not talking about. I'm not that. talking about mental illness. Work. I'm just talking about super smart people. Yes. Mental illness love. So, okay. Because well, you know it's you know they're the opposite of blissful ignorance. The more you know, the more you have to worry about. Is what I mean. Yeah. I suppose, especially if you're privy to alien secrets yes. like mm-hmm. Carl Allen yes. and Morris Jessup were. That's so, why I got to stop listening to NPR. Okay. <laughs> so upsetting. Okay. Carrie's now so equating herself with she's geniuses. Just, just don't worry about it. Why do you worry about it? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I'm not a genius. I got to stop listening to all the smart okay. people. Tell me about things that are actually happening gotcha. in the world. Gotcha. Well, in this case, this smart person, Morris K. Jessup, did obsess over something mm-hmm. that was, in all likelihood, a complete fiction made up by Carl Allen, the crank writing, yeah. you know, weirdo from Pennsylvania. Yes, that's too bad. Yeah, but it made for an interesting story and a decent movie, starring again the inexorably brilliant what Michael <laughs> Perret. <laughs> wow, Perret. you're just fascinated yes. by Michael Perret. Yes, aren't well, you? he was also in that one movie. With this. About the dead rock star. Yes, the that dead. one. Was he a rock star? Or? Yes, he was a rock star. And he died, but he's alive. Yes. Jim Morrison kind of a thing. Yeah. Anyway, that was, uh, that's the, and Philadelphia Experiment has become a pretty, it's, a, it's part of the, it's a kind of an iconic yeah. paranormal, Honestly, supposedly true story. I, yeah. I mean, I, it, it was in the back of my mind as some kind of government true experiment. Story, yeah. yeah, but it really did happen. But that it just got embellished and like the yeah. the soldiers fusing into the yeah. you know hole of the ship, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I didn't believe any of that. That's good. But I thought, you know, but you know, we've heard of the the government literally what's the whole uh, MK Ultra the goats and, thing. Oh, the minister of goats with yeah. yeah. Yeah, the government does some crazy stuff. He trying to to astral project fun. people yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So So but in reality especially given what you said about how the government looked into it, it was really literally completely hoax. Yes. Nothing of it was true. So in other words, Dudgeon's whole explanation is unnecessary because yeah. it never happened. Yeah. It's, it's just from the it, mind of Carl Allen. No, I think he inserted himself into the whole story. Yeah. That, well, he, he did think, I mean, that that is an ingenious way that could have been started. Yeah. De- oh, gousing, sure, yeah. But it, it, you don't need that yeah. because you have to first establish that something really happened in the first place. Yeah. In this case, it did not. But also the part about him forgetting his time on the Eldridge because he was brainwashed, but then he goes on to Wait, Dudgeon said that? Yeah. Okay, well, Dudgeon was a whole too, also. basically the whole thing, so that doesn't make hmm. sense. Yeah, that doesn't. Mm-mm. Well, not a lot of all-stars in this story. No. <laughs> there, Except for those two brave O&R people who had it published 127 <laughs> yeah, copies of it in Texas. Yeah. To 127 people. Shout out to them. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, thanks, Carrie, for the Philadelphia Experiment. Tell tell everybody where they can find us. Well, you can find us on uh, just all over the internet (laughs) and on weirdworldpodcast.com, weirdworldpod.something. Weirdworldpod on Twitter. Twitter. And weirdworldpodcast on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Patreon. I love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. You're welcome, Dean. Appreciate it. Until next time, keep. Weird in it. I don't know. I really got (laughs) to. Let's not put that on a t shirt. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.